0: music. You heard some interesting harmonies in there. Wow, that was good. That was a good birthday present too, Mark. Thanks. Love you, Mark. Well, I'm up here because nobody else wanted to be up here. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, Sunday after Easter, nobody likes to preach. Kind of. Um, we had a great week last weekend. Wasn't that a great Sunday? And uh, Chris did a great job preaching the word, music, worship. We uh, ministered to three, uh, around 3,000 people last weekend in all of our services. So that's, isn't that just crazy? I wish they'd all show up every Sunday. I can never figure that one out. Well... How many were at uh, Harvest last night? Wasn't that great? Seeing hundreds, thousands of people come to Jesus. Nothing like it. All heaven was really... They had a party last night. And we thank God for that. Initiation going into the kingdom of God. Um, it's the first step, but it's not the last step. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to, I'm going to read the scripture this morning, so if you kindly could all stand for the reading of the word. Acts chapter 2, three portions of scripture, Acts 2, 1 through 4, Acts two seventeen through 21, and Acts 2, 40 through 45. that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. I'm going down to verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Father, bless the reading of the word. Bless our ears to hear and our hearts to believe. Let the anointing touch our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Easter's over. Now what? Well, Easter really isn't over. The resurrection was not just a one-time occurrence. It was something that has affected our lives and will affect our lives forever. Resurrection was actually the initiation of of God's rescue program. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He came to set at liberty those who were oppressed. And the list goes on. He came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to preach the kingdom of God. He came to redeem us, save us. And then he puts us on a path of reclaiming and building ourselves. You see, you have to understand something. You're born into the kingdom, but you're added to the church. It's just like uh, in the natural, when a baby comes into the world, he's birthed into the world kingdom. But guess what? He goes home with a family. He's added to a family. The same thing is true in the spiritual. You're born into the kingdom. Last night at Harvest, there were hundreds born or birthed into the kingdom. But here's the key. you got to be added to the church. I just read that in Scripture. Peter was very clear about that. Because it's in the church, it's in the family, that you learn how to live. A baby, when it's, birth, it's given to the family, they learn how to eat. They learn how to talk. They learn how to interact and relate. And the list goes on. They learn how to clean the bedroom. They learn how to do all these things. It's the same thing in the church. When you're added to the church and you add yourself, it is, see, church isn't just coming to a service. Church is a body of believers who interact with each other and help each other to grow in God. And so we're here this morning This building isn't the church We are the church And we're not just a part of a, a worldwide church We're a part of a local church So we, we are born in the kingdom Added to the church And we extend the kingdom But we build the church Do you get that? You, we ex- the kingdom already is built The kingdom is already in place The kingdom is God's rule The kingdom is God's dominion And guess what? He rules over all The Bible says, "Even the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof." And so we, but we are here to to uh, participate in His rescue program by building the church. If we don't build the church, then the rescue program is not complete. This rescue program isn't just about individuals; it's about a community of believers. Now notice this, he isn't, he isn't coming back for, for individuals, he's coming back for a church. If you read scripture, it's not about individuals. We have so individualized salvation that it, it has become almost uh, an idolatrous idea. Because it's, when he comes back, it says he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Did he say, did he give indica- any indication of individuals? No, he says the church. The church, the called out ones, the ecclesia. Those who have been set aside. He comes. He's going to come back for a victorious church. He's coming back for a beautiful church. He's coming back for an undefeated church. That's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's getting ready for that. But we've got to add ourselves to the church and help build the church. In this room, you need to be a builder. Now, in life, there are, there are producers and consumers. I ask you today, which one are you in the kingdom? Which one are you in the church? Are you a builder or a consumer? Do you, do you come and just, just fill yourself up? Or are you giving something away? Do you know you really don't understand or enjoy life until you're giving something away? You were made that way. We are members of the body of Christ. We're all members of the church. Members of a family. Members of an army. When Connie and I first came here and, and established the church in 1983, we, were, we had a vision of a church that loved each other. A church that was a family. A church that interacted and loved each other, cared for each other, prayed for each other, blessed each other. It's, if you go to all the other, do you know there are about 45 others in the Bible? Love one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Do all the one another's in the Bible. It's, it's amazing. And that's what the church is to be. We're to be the one another's of life. The church is to be the witness of God on the earth. The demonstration of heaven on the earth. We're to lead the world to God. And that's why I believe... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back because I love this scripture. Matthew 16, 18... And I say to you that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church, Ecclesia, and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. A church that is built right, even hell can't touch it. But notice this, and then it it connects church and kingdom. Look at the next verse. These are red letter, incidentally. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you can't get the keys of the kingdom until you're a builder in the church. I will build my church. And then he goes to the next verse, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Who is he going to give the keys of the kingdom to? He's not going to throw them out there to any individual. He's going to give them to those who are building in the church. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's God's word. He's saying if you get in the church, if you're a part of the church, you're connected, you're a family, you're, you're, you're m- members of, of each other. You're going to do something powerful. And the purpose is to demonstrate it to the world. The purpose is to be salt and light to the world. The purpose as builders, as the family, is to change the world that we live in. Are you following me? Okay, now here's here's the dilemma of a pastor and a preacher. I want to give the big picture, but I want to get down into your life too. I want to apply it so you can actually implement it. So I'm going to try to do that today. Lord, help me. Now, I believe the church has become much too private. In other words, we have given in to the the pushing of the world and we believe that our moment is just church on Sunday God says no 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 the, the church service is for the equipping of the saints because we're all ministers of the gospel we're all preachers we're all, we should actually uh, pay forward everything we receive from God And we're here today to receive an impartation and an anointing to take out, to touch the world as salt and light. That's why you're here. I just get the privilege of helping to equip. But all of us are ministers of the gospel. For several hundred years, Western society has assumed that God doesn't belong in public life. This is their thought because we live in America and America has been considered a Christian nation but in fact we have not been very Christian to this nation because they believe that we need to keep God out of public life and then this is the world thinking and then we can run the world to our own advantage and this is what they say to us oh you can vote but you can't bring your worldview or theology into the public arena yeah right So, follow me here. So the creator God, Israel's God, is at last, now, post-resurrection, we're in the resurrection time frame here, is at last reclaiming the whole world as his own through Jesus of Nazareth. What he did, he went to Hades, or hell, when he was in the tomb, he went there and he took captivity captive. He took the, the keys of death and hell and he took captivity captive and he took them to paradise. There was a lot of activity going when he was, on, when he was uh, quote unquote dead. And so what, what was happening? He was starting the rescue mission. This is the message of the kingdom of God. What would the world look like if God were running the show? Because eventually he will. Now the world thinks that it would involve, if God were running it, it would be like a celestial tyrant imposing his will on an unwilling world. That's what they think. But the coming of God's kingdom on earth is not to impose some alien and dehumanizing tyranny, but rather to confront alien and dehumanizing tyrannies with the news of a God in Jesus who is radically different from them all, and who, who brings justice that is aimed to rescue and restore genuine humanness. In other words, you're really, and you hear Pastor tell say this all the time, you're really not really human until God comes into your life. And what God wants to do is to genuinely impart his life into you that you can represent heaven and God to the world around us. That's why we're salt and light. Our lesson is this. Yes, Jesus did launch God's saving sovereignty on earth as in heaven through his death and resurrection. And that his agenda was never just about rescuing individual souls from the world, but about saving humans so that they could become part of his project of saving and rescuing the world. In other words, once you get born again, guess what? You're a part of the greatest project and the greatest intent that has ever hit the face of the earth. This is why Jesus said to Pilate, Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not from this world. It's not. But his kingdom really was brought for the world. Meaning this, God has arrived on the public stage. After resurrection, he's arrived in the public stage and is not about to leave it again. He wants to defeat the forces of both tyranny and of chaos. And how's he going to do it? Through the church. Not just individuals, through the church. People, do you realize alone we can't do much? But in covenant community, we can do a whole lot. We can touch, we can move, we can pray. I mean, the Bible says that agreement prayers, God will answer any agreement prayer that you pray. It's, it's powerful. And so what God wants to do is establish, uh, in, in the areas of tyranny and chaos, he wants to establish the rule of restorative healing justice. The rulers of the world behave one way, declares Jesus, but you are to behave the other way. And the Gospels portray God's theology as a God in public narrative. It's always in public. we got to get out there, people. It's in public. The Christian hope is not a hope for heaven in the sense of a blissful disembodied life after death in which creation is abandoned, but rather the hope for the renewal and final coming together of heaven and earth and the final consummation of God's project to be present as Savior in the public world. In other words, God's going to show up for everybody. Publicly. It's not going to be private. Every eye will see, every knee will bow. It's a very public thing. And we've got to, we've got to start being, stop being ashamed. We've got to stop being timid. And we've just got to proclaim what God is doing in our lives. And I'm going to tell you part of how you can do that today in just a few minutes. So, throughout history, God acting in public is deeply threatening to the rulers of the world. Right now, the rulers of the world, they think they got it together. Uh, uh 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 just wait Christians and the church must embrace our vocation to remind the rulers of their task to speak the truth to power and to call authorities to account the church must participate in doing god in public not adversarially not meanly no 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 that's not how we work. In fact, think about this. Jesus is the true Lord of the world and his way of life is what the world most truly needs. So as the church, we have an agenda for mission and service. That's how we win. In other words, our path is the path of self-giving love. So we can't impose Christian policy or ethic on an unwilling unready public that's not our role we don't do that we don't you see that's what uh uh, uh uh rulers in ancient time did Constantine and others they would impose Christianity we don't impose Christianity we win through God's love and bring people to Christ that way see we must allow Jesus and his way of bringing his kingdom to work in us and through us The church at its best has always sought to transform society from within. And when major cultural change is upon us, we we must remind ourselves that our confidence is not in our Western culture. Or the basic goodness of modern republic or democracy. But our confidence is in Jesus and him alone. The church is not, now listen to this, the church is not a religious body looking for a safe place to do its own thing within this wider political spectrum or social world. But the church must bear witness to Jesus as the world's true Lord. And we do that through our self-giving love. We do that through our ministries in the world. We do that through our, our witness. We do that through all of our, our activities through Jesus Christ. We do not have an Epicurean philosophy that says that God's a long way off and he just turned, he created things and he left us. And the world will just do, go under, under its own stream. No, we believe, as C.S. Lewis says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. When we're told as Christians that we must back off and let the world run everything else, that's basically Satan's voice. It's a challenge to the lordship of Jesus, the Messiah. We have frankly fostered a culture in the church in which the lordship and teachings of Jesus are not practical for public life. I'm not saying it's us, but I'm saying Christianity in general. We have been, we have been content to drift with this or or that prevailing political wind. We trim our sails so that only one or two real distinctives are left related perhaps to the world itself. The church must live this out in such a way that our lives become hugely attractive, and even the most hardened pagan will gasp and wonder how it's done. That's the church. I'm telling you, it's all about the church. Colossians three twelve says this you must be tenderhearted, kind, humble, meek, ready to put up with anything. You must bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against someone else, you must forgive each other. On top of all this, you must put on love, which ties everything together and makes it complete. And whatever you do in word or action, do everything in the name of the Master Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. These are the virtues of the Christian community, and they don't happen by accident. We must work at them, we must repent of our failures in areas. We must forgive each other. We must be a loving, forgiving body of believers. And communities like this are the way and the only way God changes the world. Not by retreating from the world, but by going boldly into the places of power and authority in the world, praying for a door to be opened for you to speak about the mystery of the world's true king. See, whatever the world may throw at us, the crucified and risen Jesus is already Lord of the world. We just tell them what's really going on. That's why I loved going into congressmen and senators' offices because I was just there to open the door. They didn't realize that when I walked in the door, I kind of went to the side and let the Holy Spirit go in. This is isn't, it's a fact. There was not one time I went into a congressman or senator's office that God didn't show up. I'd say 90% of the time they were so touched deeply that they were either had tears in their eyes or they were crying. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's speaking the kingdom of God and the lordship of Jesus to those in power. And when you do that, it doesn't matter. And you can do that in your neighborhood, you can do that with family members. They don't have to know what you're doing. You just do it. You're salt and light. You, you bring the, the, the salt in in a very subtle way. And you begin to pr- proclaim the goodness of God. Now, so we have the kingdom of God. We extend the kingdom. And we're active in seeking first the kingdom. But we are members and body members of the church, the ecclesia. And we are building something that will impact the world like never before. Capital Church is going to touch the world in ways you can't even imagine. This week, this week, for instance, Dr. Stan was, was teaching pastors in Kenya from here on Zoom. From 1 o'clock in the morning to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Three days straight. We were praying for him, God bless his voice and his soul. That's not easy. But what we're doing, we're extending the kingdom and we're building the church. Now, as a church member, you're either a consumer or a producer. Let's be producers. Let's all of us. The problem with the church is that about 20% do most of the work. I'm telling you right now, we have to have more ministries. Uh, Bridget, are you still here? Bridget That was a great video It's a great video But it's a great ministry And there are hundreds of ministries That have to be birthed out of this church And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute But there's two things we must do And I'm going to try to close this the next 15 minutes here There's two things we must do We must understand We, we recall what Jesus said And then Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, he told his disciples after, and they were probably recalling all of his red letter words. But not only did he say, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. But then he said to them near the end of Luke, Luke 24, 49, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father. Go in there and wait. Waiting is not easy for anybody. But they went to Jerusalem in the upper room and they waited. And what happened? What happened? Isn't it interesting, the church was not birthed until Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. The resurrection was the prelim to the big ball game. What was the big ball game? Acts chapter 2, I just read it to you. What happened? The church was birthed on the day of Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. I love the song we sing recently, and he lit the flame. He lit the flame of the church all of a sudden. The power of God began to do something within the church. We have degraded the church. We have knocked the church down. We have, we have uh, scorned the church. We've mocked the church. I'm not talking about us, but the the world and, and many other believers. We've got to ascend and promote the church as the instrument of God in the world today to make a difference and change things. We are indeed, uh, uh, change makers. And we must must see that the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. He lit the flame that birthed the church. Within a few weeks and a few months, within a year and a half, the world was turned upside down by the church because the church had the Holy Spirit. (laughs) He is the member of the Godhead who is working in us right now. I'm telling you, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We were made to be filled with the Holy Spirit and used by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, my life changed the moment I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It changed everything. I had passion I didn't know I had. I had direction. I had illumination. I had revelation. All of a sudden, the anointing of the Holy Spirit came. And we're living in a day and age. It isn't just about going to church. It isn't just about serving God and learning the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's to walk with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And constantly have his quickening in your life we must have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit the church cannot exist without the impartation of the Holy Spirit Amen. a lot of churches try but what happens is you end up doing it in your own strength every time I, get, I come up here I say Holy Spirit you gotta help me I don't know how I'm gonna do this I mean I said that this morning why? because the dog kept me up all night I had all kinds of stuff happen to me during the night, before the night, and after the night. I'm going, Lord, either this is going to be the best message i ever preached or the worst message I've ever preached. But you have to understand that if we have the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter much of anything else. And the Holy Spirit wants to move into the church. In such a way, it changes not only us, it changes our relationships... It changes the way we act. It changes our faith. It changes the grace level. We were made to live and work in the Holy Spirit. And as believers, kingdom life and church life doesn't work well without the inclusion of the Holy Spirit. In 1973, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changed. I'm telling you. Everything changed. I had never had such passion for the kingdom. Listen, I grew up in a pastor's home. So I had been serving God for years, but it wasn't until I was filled with the spirit that I truly started to understand the revelation of gospels. I truly understood the, the Bible just popped out to me. I just began to understand things and, and it stirred in my heart and I, I began to realize this whole big picture of what was to happen. Christianity wasn't just a dutiful duty that I had to do. It was, an, it was a privilege and an exciting adventure that God had asked me to be joined in with him. That's what it's all about. And so I think, church, I think it's time to rewelcome the Holy Spirit, even in Capitol Church. Come on, rewelcome him. Now, think about it. In the book of Acts, I didn't read all of it, but in, the, in Luke and John, if you read the last few chapters, you read how the, uh, the, the disciples were fearful and they were timid. And they were cautious and they ran and they were scared. How in the world, in 50 days, did they turn into monsters? (laughs) Powerful proclaimers of God's ways and word. How did it happen? Holy Spirit. It happened. You know, Patty, I've seen you change into a... Holy Spirit monster. Yeah, in a good way. I mean, Steve and uh, all of us, we have been changed. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, you know, at first we say, I don't know about this Holy Spirit stuff. Oh, but once you taste, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It starts doing something. So I'm telling you right now, you need to start asking personally for a a renewal of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm telling you, the church. Church, we need to ask God, come, come, do things that that uh, we've not seen before. We need to have done, and so we need to do that. We need to be demonstrators of God's kingdom in the same way that the disciples did it in the, in the New Testament Acts. Nothing scared them. Nothing should scare us. We should say, Lord, you're doing something powerful in us. That's my message for you this morning. I I, could, I don't have time to go on much further than this, but I'm saying you got to rewelcome the Holy Spirit. You have to get a new anointing from the Holy Spirit. You have to say, Holy Spirit, use me as never before. Holy Spirit, attach me to the church to make me uh, the, the person that you need to to do this and that in in the kingdom. We have got to start walking and listening to the Holy Spirit as never before. If we don't, we're history. Second thing and last thing. We re-welcome the Holy Spirit. It will enable us to be the church that God has planned. Secondly, and there are many other things, but I I grabbed a hold of these today because I think it's, it's what God wants. The second thing. You have been shaped and formed to serve God you need to proclaim and claim once again a servant's heart to serve God in his house. In other words, you're custom designed to serve God. Job 10.8 says, Your hand shaped me and made me. Isaiah 43.21, The people I have shaped for myself will broadcast my praises. God formed every creature on this planet with a special area of expertise. Some animals run, some hop, some swim, some burrow, and some fly. Each has a particular role to play based on the way they were shaped by God. The same is true with humans. Each of us was uniquely designed or shaped to do certain things. Before God created you, he decided what role he wanted you to play on earth. He planned exactly how he wanted you to serve him and then he formed you for those tasks. You are the way you are because you were made for a specific ministry. Wow, really? Yes. Ephesians 2:10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. The word workmanship is the English word poem. In other words, you are God's handcrafted work of art or story. You are not assembly, an assembly line product a mass produced product you are a custom designed one of a kind original masterpiece god deliberately shaped and formed you to serve him in a way that makes your ministry unique he carefully mixed the dna cocktail that created you <clears throat> David said this in Psalm 139 you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb thank you for making me so wonderfully complex your workmanship is marvelous I remember Ethel Waters she used to sing his eyes on the sparrow at the Billy Graham crusade she would often say God don't make junk Not only did God shape you before you were born, but he planned every day of your life to support his shaping process. Psalm 139.16 says, Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow! Nothing that happens in your life is insignificant. God uses all of it to mold you for your ministry to others and for you for your service to him. God never wastes anything. He would not give you abilities, interests, talents, gifts, personality, and life experiences unless he intended to use them for his glory. You are wonderfully complex. So this is what we need to do. We need to begin to unwrap our spiritual gifts for serving God. If you don't even know what spiritual gifts you have... I'll pray over you. I'll give you a spiritual gifts test or whatever. You've got to know what the spiritual gifts are. God gives every believer spiritual gifts to be used in ministry. The second thing you need to do is listen to your heart in serving God. In other words, listen for inner promptings that can point to the ministry that God intends for you to have. This is all involved in the church. Physically, each of us has a unique heartbeat. Just as you have unique thumbprints, eye prints, and voice prints, our hearts beat in slightly different patterns. No one has a heartbeat exactly like yours. In the same way, God has given each of us a unique emotional heartbeat that races when we think about certain subjects, certain activities, or circumstances that really interest us. We instinctively care about some things and not about other things. Most of us don't care about the Dallas Cowboys, Yeah, there are claps in the house on that one. But at the same time, there are others that really care about the Dallas Cowboys. And that's okay. And these are clues as to where you should be serving. He probably needs to be the chaplain for the Cowboys is what he needs to be. (laughs) Another word for heart is passion. These help reveal the nature of your heart. Where do all these interests come from that I'm passionate about? From God. God wants you to serve him passionately, not just dutifully. People rarely excel at tasks they don't enjoy or feel passionate about. How do you know that you're serving God from your heart? The first sign is enthusiasm. When you're doing what you love to do, no one has to motivate you, challenge you, or even check up on you. You do it for the enjoyment of it. You don't even really need rewards, applause, or anything else. Another characteristic of serving God from your heart is effectiveness. Whenever you do what God wired you to do, you love to do it. You get good at it. Passion drives perfection. And if you don't care about a task, you probably won't become good at it. Figure out what you love to do, and then do it for his glory and for the sake of building the church. The Bible says this, and I close. The greatest are the servants. I said this a couple weeks ago. I said the problem in our political spectrum today, we no longer have public servants. We have public autocrats. We have public tyranny, authoritative people. We have power-hungry leaders as soon as we start getting public servants, you'll see the government change. Oh, I could really go off on that one for a little bit. but I... That's why, they... do you know the founding fathers? Be careful, Pastor Ken, don't get too far in this. The founding fathers, they didn't see Professional politics or politicians. They saw simple servants off the farm, off business interests, go a little bit time during the year to serve the interests of the nation and the people. We need it again. Now, the greatest are the servants. Mark ten forty two says, So Jesus called them to him and said, As you know, the kings and great men of the earth lord it over the people, but among you it is different. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be greatest of all must be the slave of all. For even I, the Messiah, am not here to be served, but to help others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Wow. Capital, can I tell you, Connie and I and Chris and Kelly, we love you so much. We're so proud of you. We talk about you all the time. We pray for you. We cry over you. I mean, I could go down. I could talk about the, all the people in this congregation that we've known for years that are serving God with all, all their hearts. And it's just, it's just wonderful to see the goodness of God and see the precious lives of servants Growing together to see the church become the church. Amen? Ted, Ted Alice, I'm proud of you. Proud of you being in the house of God. Serving God, loving God. I've known Ted for almost 40 years. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like long-time relationships that explain what God is doing. There's something about serving God together. There's no greater joy. Frank and Betsy, I'm so proud of you guys. Serving God, I mean, he's a winner of all these awards and stuff, and he comes to serve God in this church called Capital. He comes to just play and sing and lead our children. Betsy is just a servant of God. I just I just love this, how God places us together because it's the house of God will be great when the people are servants and serve each other. Are you ready to serve? Marshall, thank you for all you do for the house. You know, he's, he's not very visible, but I tell you, he gets us all in shape. And he keeps bugging us when we don't keep up. It's okay. We need accountability. We need that kind of thing. We need God to work in us. Cokie, I'm really proud of you and your wife. Wow, what a great family. Is Presley still here? Hey, Press. Presley, do you hear me? Do you want to go see Cokie? Cokie is his favorite singer. If Cokie's on the... platform Presley's really happy. Presley you want to come and preach? Presley actually preaches at our house. He gets up on the stage, on a stage that he makes and he preaches. And I'm telling you, he's loud like his dad. <laughs> People, we need to do this. We need to rewelcome the Holy Spirit. We need to start releasing our gifts and become servants in the house of God. And what's going to happen? The church is going to explode. You'll see the goodness of God. Now, I have one more announcement. Chris and I were talking about this. I don't think you'll mind me saying this, Chris. We have a power-packed series coming for you. In just a few weeks, we're going to blow your socks off with the things we're going to share with you. The problem in the church today is we don't, We've, we've never gone deep in theology and eschatology. And we're going to do both for you. So that you will understand the theology. You'll understand how we think. How others think. You're going to see how our church will, will mesh together with the, with the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're going to, it, it will loose you. Because the Bible says the church or the people of God are destroyed for lack of understanding and knowledge. We've got to say, God, it's our time to arise. Yes. Are you ready? You're ready to do all that? To get equipped and and we're gonna teach you. We're gonna teach you theology and eschatology and everything in between. So get ready. And you might think, oh, that's boring. Oh, you wait. Just wait. Wow. <sighs> okay, church. Worship team, are you here? Not yet. It's 12.33, get in here. <laughs> Come on, Josh, hustle. <laughs> I want to do this this morning. I want to do it a little different. We're going to, we're going to sing in worship in just a minute. I'm going to have you stand. And then what I want you to do, if you if you feel like you need to go to another level, there's this vacuum, there's this emptiness, there's something in you that's saying, I, I just need another level, another step in God. I want you to come to the front and worship. I also want those to come to the front. And we're going to pray for you who, you know, you said, I don't know if my relationship with God is all that good right now. And I want to recommit and rededicate my life to God. I want you to come. There's something about stepping out. There's just something about it. Last night when I saw those thousands step out, there's something about stepping out that makes a determination in your heart. I believe it, I'm gonna do it. So I want you to stand right now. If you stand. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.